on the block on demand. This is on the block with Brent Axe. Hey, did you know that ESPN Syracuse is now on your smart speaker? Just search ESPN Syracuse on your Alexa app. Click enable on the ESPN Syracuse skill. And you can tell Alexa to listen to ESPN Syracuse. It's a beautiful thing. Don't forget, you can also podcast this program and listen anytime you want. Just hit subscribe to our podcast, either on iTunes or Google Play. ESPN Syracuse is what you find. And... And you can listen on demand on your time. Oh, that modern technology. When Alexa's not spying on you, you can listen to this radio station. It's a beautiful thing. 437-7644. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to our official Florida correspondent, Marty in Tampa. He's on the block ESPN radio. Marty, what's up, buddy? Yeah. Brent, I enjoyed the interview with David Hale with one exception. Yeah. And I don't know if you caught I don't know if you caught it. But he was running down the upsets the past three years, uh, Virginia Tech, Clemson, and Florida State. And he said when we beat Clemson, it was because of a poor performance by Clemson. Now, granted, Clemson did not give their A game that night. It probably was an average performance. But Syracuse beat them through and through. They manhandled them. It wasn't like Clemson had five turnovers in the red zone. Syracuse won that game, not because Clemson was poor, because Clemson was average and Syracuse was very good. Now that, that's that's fair to point thing. out, but I, I think where David makes a point is when Kelly Bryant went out and a quarterback came in who clearly wasn't ready to play that game, that offense did play poorly. Syracuse had to go out there and beat them and actually hold them off, you know, 27-24. But that's a fair point to say Syracuse deserves a little more credit than you thought. Now, my question is, and you, know, you can't live in the world of what-ifs, Kelly Bryant's healthy. Do they straight-up beat Clemson in that game? I mean, we'll never know, but it would be a little more difficult. Let's put it that way. Yeah, but for him to say categorically that it was a poor performance, that's where, where I disagree with him. Well, but... it, I think it's it's somewhat fair to bring up because even really good teams like Clemson have bad days, and that's where I think fans are getting upset with me for saying Syracuse is going to roll Connecticut this week because – Everybody has a day where nothing goes right, and the other team can take advantage of that. So I, I see what you're saying. Syracuse had to earn that every which way, they, but lose. They had to make great plays on defense. Eric Dungy had to go out there and have another terrific performance. But I think it's fair to say Clemson didn't have their best day that night either. Okay, I'll give you that. And you just mentioned uh, Connecticut. Yeah, I'm afraid of a letdown. Uh, we've been talked up really good this past week everywhere. Uh, I'm sure Dino will have the boys will prevent a letdown uh, because I'd hate to see, uh, you know, we, we should destroy them. So I hope we uh, take advantage well, of this opportunity. And Marty, appreciate the call as always, my friend. Hope things are well in Tampa. This is what has annoyed me about Syracuse fans this week because I keep getting these, you know, paranoid tweets like this one. Yes, I'm – and. I brought this tweet up early from Wolf of Wayne County, and you responded to me, and I think it's a fair response to say, yeah, Brent, but I'm only 28 years old, and the last decade of pain has taught me to never be comfortable in that dome until they've secured the win. Fair. But you know what? This team has the mentality 
of annihilation, of not looking past teams, of wanting to, based on a speech by Stephen A. Smith, of all people... It's now time for how long no, can Brent take no, a take? No, it's, it's really not. I, I, that's like voice command on this show now. I, see Steve, I say the name Stephen A. Smith, and it's automatically how long... Can I take a take? But thanks for chiming in, voice guy. We appreciate that. So anyway, Stephen A. Smith gave this speech to the team, and it's... No, 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 it's not time for that. We're not doing that right now. No, you take that. That's not how long can I take a take time. So that guy on ESPN gave that speech to the team, and they've actually, like, embraced this annihilation thing. So when fans say, oh, I've been through too many of these losses, or they have... Like, you're giving me voodoo. You're not giving me Connecticut runs this offense or their defense or the, is this good. Or even give me Randy Edsel. You want to give me the weak Randy Edsel connection? Well, you know, Randy Edsel used to coach here. Yeah, like 20 years ago. Like, give me something other than eh, anything can happen on any given day. From the on-the-block text line, it said, Brent, did you base Syracuse's win over Clemson on what you had seen any given day in caps is what he responds to me with. Yes, I did respond my analysis on what I saw. And one of the things, to be fair, that I saw was Clemson's starting quarterback go down, which, again, Syracuse, full credit to them, as Marty pointed out, took advantage of that, executed, held him off by three points. Dungy was great. I think Marty made a great point to say that it's not like Syracuse was handed like five turnovers in that game. They stood up to Clemson and won that game. And they deserve credit for it. But all this apprehension I'm getting from people is based on nonsense. It's not based on matchups or stats or analytics or real things. Having watched Connecticut play this year, it's all based on voodoo. And I'm just not buying that. You're not giving this team enough credit. This team, this year, these guys. I don't care what the ghosts of the past have done. This team, this year, will not let a letdown happen. Now, is it fair to say Marty just touched on it? Will a letdown inevitably occur? Absolutely, because as I brought up a moment ago, every team has a bad day. Every team goes out there and you turn the ball over, things don't go right. You just have that game where nothing flows. Is that going to happen this week? I mean, maybe a little bit of a letdown because, look, they're, they're only human. Yes, Florida State turned out to be a mess of itself, but it's still a brand name that gets you motivated to go out there and prove to people in the noon game on ESPN that you want to show what you're made of. This is the 4 o'clock game on ESPN News against a team that's putrid. So you have to be self-motivating. You have to continue that annihilation theme, even against a team that you should beat just by simply remembering to show up at 4 o'clock on Saturday. But that's where I don't get why... I'm getting the blowback that I am for saying, I've seen Connecticut play. Their defense stinks. Syracuse is averaging 50 points a game. Therefore, my conclusion is that Syracuse should win this game handily. Oh, no. Wait, look. What are you doing? That I tweet out that the Syracuse Clemson game is at noon next week on ABC. Oh, by the way, it's going to set up one heck of a rematch. Oh, what are you doing? Focus on the Huskies. I'm not a coach. I don't have to. They do the one game at a time thing. I don't. Nor should you have to, by the way. 
superstition is superstition. And people that believe in that stuff, that's great. That's fine. I'm, I'm all for it in some ways. I am a Boston Red Sox fan and used to believe in this stuff until I realized, you know why the Red Sox didn't win all those World Series? Because they had a net management because John McNamara put Bill Buckner on the field when he had no business being on the field in that game because of real baseball decisions, not a damn curse from Babe Ruth, right? So if you're going to tell me to be apprehensive about Connecticut, just give me more than voodoo. Give me something they do. Give me a matchup issue. Give me some, uh, something tangible that can happen over a four-quarter football game. Let's get uh, one more call in here before we have to take a break. Wayne in the truck on the block. Wayne, what's up, bud? Hey, what's up, Brent? Hey, you know, you're right uh, as far as Connecticut goes. If you if, if you look at ESPN's uh, 1 through 130 power rankings, the two teams that we've beaten in SBS level and Connecticut are all hovering at or below the 100 ranking 100, meaning they're, they're, they're in the bottom quarter of, of all college football. And we beat uh, um, an FCS team. So I'm with you. I'm looking past Connecticut. We should handle them just based on all that. But I'm extremely excited for for Clemson. I don't know if we're going to go toe-to-toe and win. I don't know if we're going to go toe-to-toe and, and keep it close. But it's going to be a barometer. We're going to find out just how good we are. That's we haven't exactly. learned anything about this team other than we're handling the teams that we That's should handle exactly. based on where everybody's ranked. That's why I'm looking forward to it as well, Wayne, because I don't think you learn anything about yourself against UConn except bad things about, you know, it's just you show up and win, and thanks for the call, my man, 50 to nothing. You should have because they're that bad. It's not only a barometer talent-wise against Clemson. Can you do it on the road? Syracuse came close to doing it a couple times on the road last year. Can you show up on the road in a big-time game? And I'm not even saying beat Clemson. I'm saying show up and punch him in the nose because the three big upsets that Syracuse has had have all been at home. So that next step, you're on the map, but now showing you need to stay there is can you show up big-time on the road? much more of a barometer or a measuring stick than UConn will ever be. Back after this. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Eh. I don't love it. I don't hate it. Right? Sometimes you hit the 80s bump and it's like, okay. If I was listening to this in the car, like I'd be I'd be trying to find something else right now. Right? But it's one of those ones if you let it get to the to the hook going to be in your head the rest of the day so we're about to be there so get ready for it you're welcome about uh, 8 30 tonight you're going to be walking around the house and you're going to be whistling that and you're, you're not going to know why and then you're going to remember axe damn you 80s bump on the block is presented by onondaga community college's workforce development program you can learn the skills that local employers need in just two to eight months there's more information at sunyocc.edu slash workforce. Can we talk a little baseball? Can we talk a little Yankees, Red Sox? Just a little bit. We'll get some hot takes and back to football as we go here. Oh, I wanted to read a tweet that I got during the break. And Look, if fans are cautious, that's fine. I just think uh, just give me a reason other than you've got a feeling or superstition. Like, what is it about Connecticut that you have seen that makes you say it could be a game? Because 
I am basing my opinion on facts. I am basing my opinion on having seen UConn play this year, on the fact that their defense is horrid, on things that I have seen that are tangible. The tweets that I'm getting from you are superstition. That's why you play the game. I got this tweet during the break. Uh, Wolf of Wayne County says, We lost to MTSU, Middle Tennessee, last year. Villanova took us to double overtime. I'll celebrate when the clock says... Zero, 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 and we have more points. Okay, first of all, Middle Tennessee was a much better team. They had a great quarterback in Brent Stockstill, and they had Scott Schaefer on that defense who knew this team inside and out, and we knew before the season started that that would be a tough game. Villanova, yes, was an FCS team, but was a championship-level FCS program, like a really good team. They weren't Wagner or some of these bums that Syracuse plays at the FCS level. And we knew that coming in. Like, you sure you want to play that team in the first game of the year? Because they're actually really good. This UConn team is much worse than either one of those two. You know why I know that? Because I've watched UConn play. Because I've seen the stats. I've seen the trends. I'm not basing it on voodoo. I'm not basing it on (laughs) superstition or the football gods or some of these things. I mean, you might as well tell me, you know, about Santa Claus. Ay, ay, So at least I'm basing it on actual things that I see. You're going on the whole, well, geez, that's, you can't do that. Football gods will be angered. Well, go pray to the football gods then, because I'm basing it on, on stats, on UConn giving up 55 points a game. That's what I'm basing this confidence on. Thanks to official show researcher Jim CBW who sent me that so Syracuse-Louisville, just for argument's sake, plus 37. That is now, it's since been eclipsed by two different games, but it's still the third biggest point spread overcome in the history of college football. Syracuse-Louisville, September 22nd, 2007. So right around this time, as a matter of fact, 11 years ago. Syracuse had lost its first three games of the 07 season by an average of 29 points. It was taking on a ranked Louisville team that had won 20 straight at home. Syracuse was a 37-point underdog, took a 38-21 lead into the fourth quarter, had to hold on to win by three. So, look, say what you want about the Greg Robinson era, which we tend to just completely block out. They did win that Louisville game, and they beat Notre Dame in South Bend when Charlie Weiss was in his last days as the head coach there, and snowballs rained down onto the field. Not, not good times. For Notre Dame football, Antoine Bailey going nuts and beating the Irish. So, I mean, it did have its highlights. That was it pretty much. But it, it and the little engine that could at the press conference, that's about it. So, like I said, just a little bit on baseball here. Look, do I think the Red Sox are in trouble? I think that'd be a little much. But even a team that has won 103 games, that is setting a franchise record for the number of games that they won, that can put up runs in bunches, that has a terrific spring rotation. I'm feeling good about Sale and Price and Porcello. Craig Kimbrell showed a little weakness this year. He's given up more home runs than I would like, but Craig Kimbrell is still in the short conversation as one of the best closers in baseball. It's getting from the starter to Kimbrell that's the big problem for the Red Sox. You need Price and Sale and Porcillo and anybody else who starts to go really deep into the postseason, and I think that's the plan. I think 
They've been very careful with those guys, and we'll see how Price does tonight because traditionally, as we've seen, not only has he been bad in the postseason, he's bad against the Yankees, he's bad against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. He had a great start against them a couple months ago now that I think you really needed just to know what it's like to pitch well against the Yankees. But I think you're going to see those guys go a lot longer into the game. You throw analytics out the window and say, our bullpen's terrible. you got to carry us another inning or two. And last night was just a little example of it. Ryan Brazier comes up, would given up a big hit in the Astros series, gives up the home run last night. Now the Yankees almost chunked it defensively last night and handed the Red Sox a cheap win, but they held off. And so the banner has not gone up yet. It's not been awarded to the Red Sox. We know they're going to win the division. It's just a matter of when, not if. But see about that. This is I this is actually pretty funny. So not from the onion, by the way. This is a real story. So the American League East banner that was going to be put up at Fenway if and when they win the 2018 American League East title fell off a truck, okay? This is according to uh, WFXT Television, okay? Friends, Louis Acosi, I think I'm saying that correctly, James Amaral and Randy Baldsari. This being a Boston story, I thought it'd be Sully and Murph, but no, it's Louis, James, and Randy. Say they were out for coffee in Somerville, Massachusetts yesterday morning, or this was Monday morning, actually, when they spotted something in the road. As they peeled off the brown paper wrapping, they thought it was jerseys. The men, all Red Sox fans, were stunned to find out that it was actually the American League East division title banner. Now, this story that I have in front of me says a Red Sox spokesman told the station the banner apparently fell off a vendor's delivery truck. The team planned to send a courier to retrieve the banner on Wednesday. Oh, but there's more to this because they're not giving it back. They're essentially holding the banner hostage until their demands are meant, which is fantastic. Because if I found that, I'd probably be like, well, what's in it for me? A little David Price signed jersey, maybe season tickets next year. Like, where are we starting the negotiations here? Part of me thinks this is like a planted story just to, like, get some buzz going, get that viral buzz going here. Because how do you lose that? How does that fall off a truck? That's pretty important cargo. Like, maybe they didn't know what the cargo was but, like, how do you lose that? And just somebody in the street just finds it. I'm telling you, some of these stories these days, I think, are are planted. Just knowing the, the viral sensation they will be if there's a hint of truth to it. Right? Paulie and I were talking about that in the office today with this whole, I don't want to get gross on you here, but the, the pizza and the maggots thing that's going on. Like, you want, this part of me is like, hmm. I don't know. I don't know about that. Got to be skeptical about all these things, right? So, yes, they've got the banner. And they're not giving it back. Stay tuned for AL East banner hostage updates. It's like Panda Watch. Did they get the banner back? Yeah, what's it going to cost? Or if you're the Red Sox, they say, you know what? You guys keep that one. We'll just make another one. And what a memento that is. You would have... 
at a championship banner. And mind you, it's only the division. But a championship banner meant to be hung in Fenway Pack. And you got it. Not a replica, not one you bought, like the banner. In like 15 years from now, when nobody remembers this, you could tell a story. You could like put it in your man cave. Like, oh, wow, where'd you get that? Yeah, we stole that from Fenway. Right? Because Fonda in the road, because it got lost off the truck, doesn't sound as cool as you stole it. Right? It was like in college. We used to steal banners all the time. And, you know, we I probably shouldn't be. Is the statute of limitations up on this? Maybe I shouldn't be admitting this on the radio. But, you know, you like steal banners from bars and stuff. And it became like a competition about who could get like the most unique banner. That would win any contest. You had the American League East Championship banner that was meant to go to Fenway. You know what would make it even more unique? If the Sox somehow blow it and don't win the division, which is not going to happen, but. If it did, I mean, weirder things have happened. Go back a couple of years. They, they wrote books about that. Baseball Starry Night. 437-7644 is the phone number. A little shout out. Let's break. I got to get to a break. We'll do some hot takes. We'll talk more Syracuse football top of the hour. Julian Wiggum will join us in the studio. David Hale from ESPN is going to join us. Talk a little college football Focus in on the ACC a little bit, but look at some national stories as well. Yes, I will look ahead to the Clemson game next week. How dare you, Brent? And much more. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye.